position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, my treacherous friends, and welcome to episode number 367. Of the best Linux games podcast being recorded for you on this. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, the treason, and plot. The 5th of November, Friday, 2021, at 12:15 p.m. Left Coast, Pacific Coast time, coast with the most crack engineer, Ivor Molina, over there in the booth. Hey, Ivor. Nice guy, Fox Mask. Was that? Oh yeah, no, you're fired. You're fired. Still up the whiskey sign though. That would of course make it for our sequel friends 2021 1105, our first show of November. Um, we have a really good show for you this week. Finally we get to talk about High Fleet. But before we get to that, uh top stories. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. Yes. Man, get Guy Fox Fox mask out. I'm completely wasted. We have a very technical review that we have to do. 
I don't know if we're going to make it, but I will tell you this. In one of our favorite games, which was recently updated, <laughs> not helping the sobriety problem. Now, um, one of our favorite games, that would be Hellish Quart. That's Q U A R T. Quebec Uniform Alpha Romeo Tango Hellish Quart. The uh, Bushido Blade like sword fate sword fighting game made by fucking crazy Polish Czechoslovakian Balkan people whatever geniuses. They keep updating this game and they keep making it better and better by like, just not like leaps and bounds but like they're blowing my mind now at this point because they unleashed a new character Father Zira that's Father Zira who is a drunken maniac monk with a broadsword that is too big for him to wield but once I get and not only that, they've completely revamped as was part of their roadmap, the um stamina uh body based damage system and the right of way system making this update so fucking good that it blew my tiny little brain I fucking live streamed like at least three hours this week of Father Zira because like what Father Zira does is I'm gonna get a chub on your head oh you did okay good yay they haven't implemented the story mode yet but what they have now is unbelievably better than what was already like the only game that was as good as it wasn't doing what it did basically being Bushido Blade it's so good now it's crazy if you like sword fighting at all, just the idea of sword fighting in a dueling kind of sword fighting game where like yeah one hit will kill you A la Bushido Blade, Hellish Quart absolutely deserves full fucking price right now just to get your support to help bring it to the... I mean, like, they're, they're, they're busting their asses so hard on this game and it is so amazingly good now. All they have to do is carry it across the finish line, which I think is at least another... Five, four to six months away until they're like they've finished it. They feel they finished it at least. I'm gonna say it's probably gonna be more like a year and a half, but it doesn't matter because what they have now is so good and it's of such um, what do you call it? It's a it's a rarefied quantity. You gotta play Hellish Court, 
and they, you know, and they could use your support. Um, so yeah, Father Zero wants you to die. Check out any of our live stream. We'll probably be live streaming it later on today. Cause I mean, he's just a monster. And like everyone else, like with this new stamina system, it completely, like, whereas before, like you saw where the game was going, it's, this feels like the first. humongous milestone to where like the game doesn't just feel like oh well I see where they're going it actually plays like where they're going I don't know if I'm making any sense because I'm really drunk but that's okay you're fired Ivor how dare you let me get on a fucking live stream or the podcast what where am I oh I'm sorry, Ivor, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't you fucking look at me! Father Zero demands I want to heal the world to sing and chop, chop, chop off with their head. It's awesome. Father Zero is amazing. And playing old favorites like uh, Isabella who is like Father Zira, but instead of with a broadsword, she's got like a long sword. So it's a little shorter and about half as heavy. Unbelievably fast. It's a joy to play this fucking game now. Like, beyond, it's amazing. You gotta check out Hellish Quart. And it has Steam... Uh, online remote play let's play together online remote play so only one person needs to actually own a license and last time I checked Steam remote play for multiplayer does work and it's way more fun with other people but now they've added all these game modes now to the point where like it's it's really good as single player too I mean there's some things that they're going to be adding and that I hope that they add like I really want instant replay but whatever it's a joy to play right now it's amazing especially to see like sabers, cavalry sabers broadswords, cutlasses rapiers um curved sabers all different kinds of weapons in terms of like bladed weapon combat just the game now sings and they're at, they've added a lot of uh, locational damage too which is in terms of visually I chopped off this bitch's hand and it, hand flew into the camera it was awesome <coughs> Hellish Quart is really reaching maturity <coughs> Excuse me as I die here. Also, I went to GT G2A or no, I went to one of the aftermarket Steam Key resellers and I bought myself a $25 which is like half off copy of Hot Wheels whatever the fuck, the new Hot Wheels game what I were you're fired. You're supposed to fucking write this shit down in the show notes. It's called Hot Wheels Unleashed. 
And that game is super cool. We will talk more about that extensively next week. But right now, like if you want to get it on Steam, it's 50 bucks. I would say wait until the winter sale, which has got to be coming up soon. Like right after Thanksgiving, right around Thanksgiving. I bet you this game will be half off. It's it's still pretty fucking brand new. Only came out, came out a couple months ago. I played this game for 35 minutes. It is so good. It's ridiculous. This game came out Hot Wheels Unleashed. <laughs> came out <coughs> came out September 30th, 2021. Sorry, I've been chain smoking all morning. And it's 50 bucks for like the Hot Wheels Unleashed edition. I could not stand the thought of paying that much money for a game that I knew would be going on sale soon, but that I really wanted to play. So, I went to uh, I can't remember the name of the site. I didn't write it down either because whatever, it was a new site. We'll talk more about that, I guess, maybe in a future episode. But anyway, if you gotta see the video of Hot Wheels Unleashed because that's exactly what the game is like. It is a hardcore arcade racer that's all about the collectibles of collecting all the Hot Wheels cars which all feel fantastic. They're fun to race and you can build your own racetracks. All the shit that you want is in this game but it is 50 bucks. So I would say wait because I bet you... I don't know, I don't want to put any money on this one, but I would I would I'd say it's a good bet that at least it'll be 25 to 30% off during the winter sale. And that and off of 50 bucks, that's a big chunk of change. And 50 bucks is a lot for an arcade racer, unless you have kids. If you have kids and you want to stick your kid in front of a racing game that will just completely entrance them the same way that F Zero, almost in the same way that F Zero did. To us, when we were once children during the Lincoln administration, then maybe you might want to take that plunge for fifty bucks. But otherwise, I would say wait a wait a while; it'll come down in price. Now, finally, after many weeks of research and delay, I can proudly say Ivor based them with the feature our review of the Immaculate High Fleet. Hit him with a goddamn... Oh, I or you're fired. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. So... High Fleet! Greetings, comrades! What is High Fleet? High Fleet is basically a hybrid of three different games into one. At least three different games. There are two main aspects of gameplay that you will experience in High Fleet. The first is what we'll call the strategic realm of High Fleet. This is the most challenging aspect of High Fleet. High Fleet takes place in a far-flung, futuristic 
Far flung, no, far, yeah, far flung future, yeah, futuristic Dune like other world that's made up of three primary factions who are about to experience the you you are the game begins as they are experiencing what will turn out to be the penultimate moment of conflict between these three warring factions and all their sub factions as to who will fucking bring order to the planet and under what banner that order will arrive you are in charge of a fleet now your fleet consists not of submarines not of you know advanced spacecraft but of giant steel framed methane liquid methane powered combustion jet engine uh propelled pseudo dirigibles and these they're not dirigibles they don't have like a fucking inflatable air tank they have thrusters and they have directional thrusters and they have uh they have directional thrusters which let you go move which whoa which let you move left and right and then they have vertical thrusters which let you move up and down along the z-axis so you have lateral movement from one type of thruster and then you have blah up and down now the way those two things interact is very complicated and we'll talk more about that in a moment but first let me give you the big picture High Fleet is like FTL faster than light meets Duskers almost times like eh, times maybe seven to eight times as difficult as faster than light. Whereas faster than light, like it's the ultimate roguelike, sets you off on like a, a path to your own destruction at your own hands as you try to reach the end of the game it took me forever to beat Faster Than Light if you have not played that game you need to because it's one of the best games ever made High Fleet takes that concept and makes it a submarine game that takes place in the sky so the main view in the actual campaign mode is this strategic mode where it's just a map and then a bunch of instrumentation that tells you a lot of different shit including your uh, communication intercepts etc and you can draw on the map and you can plot out courses and stuff and the goal of the game is to win without causing nuclear war because you can end the whole fucking game as soon as you get nuclear weapons just fire a nuclear warhead at anybody and then everyone goes to nuclear war and everyone dies it is awesome this game trusts you to fuck yourself as hard as you can and it does so pretty obtusely it is an extraordinarily difficult game 
But I would not be giving High Fleet the highest honor that the Best Links Games podcast can bestow, the worth full price, any price, all price, any day, every day of the year award, which it does deserve and it is getting. If High Fleet was not also a very easy to jump into game, you can jump into it and it feels pretty natural, especially after you read all 55 pages of the instruction manual PDF which are not that helpful but are essential if you don't read those then you're fucked even when you play the tutorial I mean you don't have to read those at first you can play the tutorial but then you're on your way with your fleet which is a stock fleet when you start you have to manage unbelievable amounts of strategic bullshit in this game it makes it almost too easy and that's the genius of High Fleet everything about High Fleet is it seems so simple none of it it's just like faster than light that's the great genius of FTL nothing that you do in this game is simple and when you start to get I'm barely competent at this game at all and I've spent 40 hours in it that's why we can that's why I feel confident enough to do a review and that's why we're going to shift away from the story mode because like there's it's a roguelike so the map is kind of always the same but the enemy is very smart and so here's the basic premise instead of like faster than light where the enemy is chasing you from behind you start in enemy territory and have to figure out where the enemy actually is and have to also figure out where the enemy thinks you are and divert them and outflank them and outwit them and outshoot them and that's the action part of the game which is my favorite part of High Fleet because it's the part that I understand the most and that's what we're going to talk about now because there's literally too much to talk about well okay so in terms of the strategic aspect of the game which is every hour you spend in it it gets better and better and you die more and more and you feel like you know less and less about the game even as you're understanding more and more through experience it's really 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 good like once you learn how to plot intercepts and figure out how to do radar sweeps so that you're not detected by enemy radar not just radar but like infrared sweeps directional infrared directional radar with infrared sweeps and then figuring out like you know how to match up intercepted communications that you've decoded with like directional the direction that they came from then you can kind of figure out what the fuck is going on in that direction where they're going towards and you can plot these things on a map very easily the game is designed to be a submarine game that happens in the sky the main handicaps of the strategic campaign are that one you start 
behind enemy lines. They don't know that you're there, though. So unlike Faster Than Light, the enemy isn't coming up from behind you. The enemy is in front of you, and you have to break through the enemy by taking over outposts and uh, hijacking convoys and stuff like that in these crazy fucking methane-powered steel-driven flying sky submarines. The actual combat in the game, this is ironic, takes place in a two-dimensional, pseudo-two-dimensional side-scrolling single-screen combat view where you get to pick one ship from the fleet that is currently being engaged that position versus all of the other ships that the enemy has and if you have more than one ship in your fleet at that position you can reorder the ships but each ship has to fight now the way these two game modes dovetail with each other is brilliant. And I could spend the rest of the night, or the morning, the afternoon, talking about how one biggest thing you need to know is that when you assemble your fleet after you lose your first campaign, you get to actually assemble your fleet for your second campaign, and you get bonus credits for uh, all your military victories that accrue to you when you're kidding out your next fleet. First thing you need to know is that your capital ship, which is the Sevastopol, is a huge, chunky piece of shit. It's very deadly. It's enormous. It takes forever to repair. It also takes forever to refuel. This leads us and all the ships in your fleet if they are flying with the Sevastopol, will refuel directly from the Sevastopol, which has a maximum flight range of 2,000 kilometers, but everyone in your fleet will be sucking fuel from that one massive tit until they conquer different places and land and refuel. When you're refueling, it takes time. Time happens in real time. Same thing with repairs you stay in one place too long or with too large of a force the locals will either tell on you and inform on you to whatever faction they are for that is against you and this can be this can get very complicated because then they send out strike groups once strike groups start hunting you if they find your capital ship, that's basically the end of the game. Because from that point on, you'll be trying to move the Sevastopol and refuel it and refit it along with everyone else in your fleet at each and every way stop that you can while you're being hunted by, actively hunted by an enemy that knows your location approximately and is resolved to destroy you. That's 
the less good outcome. Now, this leads us to what I've spent the last two weeks obsessed with in iFleet. There is a separate shipworks mode that exists externally to the campaign. And in this mode, it's a two-dimensional shipbuilder. It's incredibly simple. There's not many different types of components. Every single, eventually, like after you spend 40 hours in the shipbuilder, like I have, you will come to understand that every single fucking decision you make when you're building a ship is unbelievably important. For instance, the number one priority for you when you get High Fleet should be to build the lightest, fastest, furthest ranged mildly uh, armed in terms of like offensive capabilities ship that you can because you don't want it to pull fuel from the Sevastopol you also want it to be fast very fast because if you can make a ship that's small enough, light enough and with a far enough range the Sevastopol doesn't have to move for the first two days. You can set up defensive screens as you take over enemy installations with your subfleet using these type of light, super light fighters. And these super light fighters take, you know, like an hour to refuel and can fly, you know, as far as the as Sevastopol, but they're so small that they don't take any damage when they're actually in combat and they're so, yeah, that's because they're fast and they're small um, and have enough range that they can fly very far ahead and even if just to reconnoiter but that's like the basics the genius of High Fleet is in this shipbuilder because there are no constraints you also want it to be cheap but it doesn't have to be cheap it doesn't have to be small I've built probably 40 ships that I've saved many of which I need to go back and delete which you'll have the same experience once you get addicted to it the shipbuilder is so simple and streamlined but amounts to the, the the final result is so complex and impacts you because any ship that you design in the shipbuilder and save when you start a new campaign you can use those ships as parts of your fleet in fact you have total free will for assembling your fleet you can even re- design a new Sevastopol if you want it's not what you should do first. You should design a fu- very light fighter that can just get into trouble and kill slowly as it moves fast as you bla- as you're blacking out through these intense side scrolling conflicts where all the physics of everything, every decision that you made 
in terms of like the way you design your ship and the way you kitted it out and built it out actually comes to bear in the way it handles not just performance wise but like in unpredictable physics ways performance wise like sometimes building a symmetrical ship is not the most ideal thing sometimes you want to build something that is asymmetrical then you want to build like a heavy interceptor which is like a ship with like six guns maybe the factors that you have to consider when you're building your ship the weight the amount of vertical thrust the thrust to weight ratio the actual speed which is like lateral speed those are maneuvering thrusters predominantly but it depends the cost of the overall ship the amount of ammo units you need large ammo units which take up one full hull space uh, can feed two guns that require one ammo each but there are other guns some guns require two ammo some require four like missile launchers then there are the big guns that require four units of ammo each and then the really big guns that require eight and those require gigantic hull mountings that are beyond the scope of this tiny review then you have to crew out the ship then you need to figure out which type of guns do you want and all of the guns and which guns you want where you want to put them and the combination of guns that you want ideally if you can you want two different caliber of weapons on each ship even if it's small unless it's just you know unless all you can get away with is like a you know a vampire or whatever which is like the second to smallest gun those guns are really small they do very light amounts of damage but they also have very fast reload times and very large clip sizes because inside of your ship is a crew you also need to figure out your fuel needs where you place your fuel where you place your ammo whether or not those pieces of the hull are armored if they're exposed to the outside if they're on the left, right, top or bottom of your craft enormously important decisions because all it takes is one direct hit to like a perfectly buried fuel block and it will explode your ship also you need to figure out the countermeasures that you want to have, do you want to have flares no flares do you want to have heat sinking heat seeking missiles, do you want to have giant nuclear warheads what type of sensors do you want do you want a single radio antenna which is super cheap and super light or do you want a full fucking ECCM capable fucking AWACS flying fortress kind of thing what is the purpose of this ship do you want it to be offensive do you want it to be defensive do you want it to be a ship that is capable of being 
like a sub-fleet commander to the Sevastopol with lots of little ships because you can create like five different sub-fleets and they can all move independently around the map and all of this happens in real time and it's it's crazy that means fuel needs because you want range the heavier your ship the more thrusters you have the more fuel it will burn all of these metrics are presented to you in very simple ways then you need power you actually need generators how many generators you need will depend on the number of fucking guns and ship systems that you have mainly guns and ammo are the two, and thrusters are the three systems that will eat up your generators learning how to build the smallest ship that you possibly can is a tutorial that needs to be in the game in of itself after you've read the entire instruction manual and then watched a bunch of fucking YouTube videos none of which are very good right now none of, I, I, you know, some of them had helpful ideas but they weren't that great it's really an experimental game but eventually once you get the hang of how to build ships then you, oh and there's armor considerations to make a little bit of armor goes a long way like one piece of armor if like you know that you're gonna get hit from the front by virtue of the way that like you're what you think is the front you know fore or aft by virtue of the way that you configured your thrusters like if you tilt way forward also you have to figure out your landing gear because you will have to land this ship um, for repairs and stuff once you get hit and you'll have to land it to refuel and you, it's a manual landing thing and there are bonuses to landing and landing is fucking tricky heavier the ship more thrusters you need the better fucking landing gears and landing gear configurations all of which there are no, tutor- no tutorials for you have to figure them out yourself which actually is very liberating when you're in the ship works when you have a ship that like you know you think is kind of good you can test it right there before you even save it for me every day for the last like two weeks has been about two hours of playing high fleet in the ship builder because I've just been obsessed with the ship builder because eventually you can build anything that you want and your ships are going to be better once you know what you want once you have like the specs in your head for what you want you can build ships that are way better than the stock ships that are offered to you at the beginning of a new campaign when you assemble your fleet on top of all this back inside of the strategic you know the actual campaign mode holy shit it is a multi-layered fucking blood quest of betrayal annihilation and competing uh, needs like do you want to appease your crew and show them that you are an authoritarian by laying down the law and pissing off the natives wherever it happens to be that you're looting or whatever <coughs> all this sort all this 
many, many, many layers of geopolitical, actual, like, story-driven strategy that's all procedurally generated factor into all of your decisions and it becomes an orgasmically it once you get sucked into it it becomes one of the best games I've ever played in my entire life faster than light I would say is better but it took me a year and a half to beat faster than light I have no idea I can't even conceive at this point I've gone through like maybe the first quarter of the game that's the farthest I've gone I think it's the first quarter but I've looked at the whole map and it's a huge map I can't even conceive and you can go wherever the fuck you want it's not like Fast and Light where you can't back you can backtrack if you want you're gonna die um, if they've detected you, if they haven't detected you, well, then you can fucking set up a screen of like light fighters that lead, if they fucking find them, you raise a ruckus at some fucking, you know, communications outpost, then you can move the Sevastopol behind that screen in the opposite direction. It'll draw their fighters and their strike groups and whatever, it'll draw the eye of Sauron over to those light fighters that are harassing their trade routes and stuff, all of which you have to manage in real time. You can pause it at any moment, and you can fast forward time at any moment. Um, but yeah, it's like basically like 2,000 kilometers is basically 24 hours in game time. To refuel the Sevastopol in Toto takes around 24 hours, which is an eternity. Whereas, like, a tiny little fighter can refuel at any base that you've managed to conquer or, you know, you fight off the defense is or whatever. And then there's long-range strikes. You can make aircraft carriers that fly in the sky with nuclear heat-seeking warheads if you want. All sorts of possibilities. Figuring out your escape pods, etc., etc., etc. All of the subtle nuances that you don't think are in this game are absolutely in this game, and they all factor enormously into your odds of success or failure. And this is probably my favorite thing about High Fleet is that the shipbuilder. gives you infinite room to fail and you can save as many ships as you want eventually you'll save too many of them and you'll have to go and delete a bunch of them which blah but just yesterday I finally hit on my perfect recipe for what I want for my perfect long range first strike fighter and this took 40 hours for me to build other cool thing about the shipbuilder is you're going to want to build different types of ships and as your understanding of the actual campaign evolves as you fail each time you fail for all the ships that you've killed during your failed run you can earn bonus credits that are accrued 
to you at the start of the next run on top of your budget because each run starts with a budget and you have to pay for fuel you have to pay for you know ammo ammo types are amazingly important there is so much going on in this game it is so in depth that by the time it has completely erased your mind and made you its slave you don't even realize that you just spent the last fucking four hours building and testing and scrapping and starting over 17 different ships eventually you'll get good at building a certain size of ship then you have to get good at building a different size of ship the mind adjustment required in terms of scale and scope would seem easy it is not an easy thing to do to be good at building and designing tiny fighters versus um medium size heavy interceptors with armor that are designed to be tanks entirely different from building the same type of medium interceptor that's designed to be like a fuel hog you know just like there to be like an AWACS and sensor network and you know like to refuel other guys in a subfleet it gets so complicated and then all of that is an entirely different animal from once you start to build a replacement for the Sevastopol itself which is a challenge that I have yet to complete anywhere near successfully because the game is so complicated but it's so simple and yet the consequences of your shipbuilding decisions even when you just test which is like you fighting against five other guys immediately and you can scale up or down the degree of difficulty as you wish and you can even select different types of opposition like you can fight against like aircraft carriers that will launch fighter jets that are really hard to kill if you don't have small it's a dizzying and that's just like in the action part of the game the strategy part of the game is so much deeper that it's like I can't even talk about it intelligently yet and I've spent 40 hours in the game but it sucks you into this very dune like crazy alien it's it's I hate to mimic what other people have said about this game but one of the best reviews that I saw of it simply said it's unlike any other game that you have ever played in your life but it's very familiar in its individual components so it doesn't necessarily overwhelm initially with the complexity you eventually realize after you've learned how much you do not know (laughs) that you are now subsumed in this complexity as you start (laughs) busting out the compass and the ruler trying to track a freighter while you have these strike groups coming at you they don't know where you are yet 
but they're looking and you've got to maintain a low profile and you have to fly away from them but you need to go towards them eventually you so you have to go around them so what are we going to do we're going to set up fighter screens what and this is stuff that you just learn how to do there there's one major problem with the game it's that it does seem that for all 50 pages of that fucking manual that they made me read which is absolutely essential reading like once you've done your once you fucked up your first couple campaigns you have to read the pdf and then you have to start doing research online but by then you're so fascinated with the game and the story stuff that happens procedurally generated story stuff like you know chance encounters and shit like that are so can be so impactful and actually have metrics associated with them like okay well am I going to show that I'm for you know the military or am I going to show that I'm for the people am I going to show that I'm for these people or for my people or for the other people and it's all about getting what you need from there right now but also on a bigger strategic thing you want to keep all of these things in your it's so good if you like Faster Than Light you will love High Fleet if you give it about 20 hours but unlike some games that are pedantic and tiresome 20 hours in High Fleet is just a joy the first five suck because it's confusing and it's difficult and blah, but then you're hooked and then you start doing the reading and the research and you start figuring out stuff and you start watching some YouTube videos like where people explain to you how to figure out, is this you know, radio contact is this radar contact or radio contact uh, transport freighter that's like lightly armed that we know where it's going and where it's going to be and then we can intercept it and then loot it or is it a strike group that once we attack it will discover our the position of the rest of the entire of the entirety of our fleet and then we're off to the races where they constantly just they don't just harass the AI in this game is unbelievable they're there to kill you they are normal you will fucking die they are not there to fuck around they are there to annihilate you and then you have this sweeping huge global story and you can you know fucking back gets to the wall launch nuclear war everyone dies bam that's the end of the game game does not give a fuck so in terms of like the illusion of free will the simplicity with the technical nuances that are that the game empowers you with the strategic elements along with the story elements all of these things combine to give you a real sense that you are one ping only Vashley that you are fucking you are <laughs> Sean Connery you are Remius Marco Ramius in Hunt for October, and only you 
You are relieved. Only you. Maybe you have a plan. Maybe you don't. But everyone is looking at you and you can do whatever it is you want. And so the illusion of free will is tremendous. More so than any submarine game. And the game is very much like a submarine game. But it happens in the sky. It's just, it's an insane game. It's wonderful. And it earns Best Links Games Podcast highest award that we can bestow. It's worth full price, any price, all price. Any day, every day. This game will never go out of style. High Fleet H-I-G-H-F-L-E-E-T came out July 27, 2021 but it only, I could only get it to run uh, recently, it's $29.99 that's full price, that's not on sale, I doubt it will ever go on sale um, it, it's by Konstantin Kushutin who is a mad genius Oh, and the art. Trust me, like, the art in the game is really good. Every, there's there's not a real rough edge to this game. I mean, it's it's a, it's it, it's 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 a gem. It's incredibly hard, though. So if you if you don't want to like spend you know like the next if you don't want to spend like five hours a week for the next you know six weeks learning how to play the game, which is actually really fun, unlike a lot of other games where like they overwhelm you with the complexity. This game it, it it's all there, but it 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 just you just you're just not aware of it. And each layer, it's just like fast and light. Each layer that you peel back, you're like, oh wait, I can get I can get more power out of this if I do this this way. And then I can wait a minute. Okay, so oh on the map, oh if I get those, oh if I get the encryption keys, I can decode the radio. Okay. Alright. Oh, if I suit up before I try to harvest a crash. When it explodes, none of my men will die. Oh, okay. Oh, time matters. You know, shit like that. It all reveals itself to you. And then you're just hooked. And it is... It's a different universe of of game than anything else that I've ever played. And I've been looking for a submarine game for so long this game is totally like a submarine game in the sky it's just craziness and the game is insane so yeah that's high fleet that's what I've been playing I am super wasted but oh yeah here's PC Gamer High Fleet is an action strategy game that's like nothing I've ever played before. That is an understatement. And there's a reason why it was published by Microprose. But unlike other things that have been recently published by Microprose, this game does not suck. This game is magnificent. Check it out. High Fleet. I wonder... It's the one thing that... It's only single player, but the one thing that like really depresses me about High Fleet is 
I think that if they had a a demo, a free demo, a lot of people you get very addicted to the combat very quickly and the shipbuilding which alone would make me pay for the whole game like the shipbuilding aspect of it alone is totally worth the game the the fact that the campaign is unbelievable procedurally generated (laughs) roguelike is just off the charts It's, it's an off the charts game so there you go I will catch you next week and remember, remember the 5th of November the gunpowder, the treason and plot we will have more on uh, Hot Wheels and Hellish Court next week. Until then, run silent, run deep. <laughs> you can't run deep, though, because you're in the sky. One ping only, Vasily. One ping only. Let's give these Americans a wide berth. I would have liked to have seen Montana. Cheers. Catch you next week. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada yee. Four or five times. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux... It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.